His name was Seth Rich. He was a college graduate with a degree in political science focusing on public policy and history. He just scored his dream job with the Clinton's national campaign team. He had also just sent 44,053 emails and 17,761 attachments to Gavin McFadden, the director of WikiLeaks. These emails were spanning from January 2015 to late May 2016. Shortly after, he was shot in the back and died of his injuries at a hospital before he could ever start his role in the national campaign team. WikiLeaks started publishing these emails July 22nd, 12 days after Rich was murdered. An anonymous source has come forward to Rich's private investigator, Rod Wheeler, and has confirmed that Seth was indeed the leaker of the DNC emails. A hospital. Somehow, he managed to die of his injuries. Just for uh, statistical purposes, so you know, 95% of people who make it to the hospital, conscious, you know, still breathing, survive. Almost no one dies from gut shots, as long as you can make it to a hospital. According to the police report, the incident happened about 4.20 a.m., and he died about 6 a.m. So you're talking an hour and a half's time it took him to somehow die. And again, he was a mile from a hospital. The police were on the scene within minutes, but somehow... He managed to die. Conscious, by the way. Talking to the officers when they arrived. Two, two gunshots. Uh, a clean, you know, in, or, uh, entrance and exit wound for the one, and just an entrance wound for the other. So a total of three holes in his body. Supposedly he was all patched up in surgery, but somehow he still managed to die. Seth had said on a, his website that I have an enormous interest in public service and working towards making the world a better place. He was also a big Bernie supporter. His specialization was voting uh, like 
just voting information, um, massive voting, voter data, um, that kind of stuff. You know, he would go through and try to figure out why people voted for what and um, what, why people in certain counties didn't vote. And, and like that was his whole job was learning about voter habits and um, all this stuff. So he, he had access to all, a, a bunch of very uh, sensitive information. And he would have known, hey, that's that's weird. All these people want Bernie to be their president, yet the DNC is handing it to Hillary Clinton. He would be in a unique position to be, you know, one of few people that can see that information, but aren't necessarily in on the whole uh, make Hillary president no matter what, you know, team. His father had revealed that, you know, he had just landed this dream job just days before he was being killed with the Hillary, you know, Clinton presidential campaign, which is something you might do if someone finds out that you've robbed the other candidate of the presidency. You might offer him a job for your team to keep him quiet, at least for a couple days until you can have him murdered. I don't think Hillary Clinton pulled the trigger. I'm not an idiot. But I think Jennifer uh, Palmieri or John Podesta used uh, CEU, which is S-E-I-U, Service Employee International Union of Professional Thugs and Murderers. Um, but I think they used them to get a couple people to go shoot them. And maybe they said, hey, just shoot them in the back, just wound them, teach them a lesson. And then maybe they conscripted the uh, the police department and the law enforcement to go to the hospital and make sure that he died. And remember, the uh, Service Employee International Union is the same people that were beating up Obamacare uh, protesters, you know, old people, all kinds of stuff. They're John Podesta's uh, dirty work people. And Robbie Mook helped cover it up as well, another Clinton campaign person. And then the D.C. police chief, who's supposedly a fellow pedophile, just like John Podesta, helped cover it up before taking in a, an extremely well-paying job for the NFL, uh, being like their assistant of security for like you know all their stuff. So, and that that happened within within the month of the Seth Rich murders, or murder. February 2015. John Podesta replies to an email, I'm definitely for making an example of the suspected leaker, whether or not we have a real basis for it. July, July 8th, 2016, Seth Conrad Rich is murdered in a, quote, burglary where nothing is stolen. And uh, I guess they, they try to claim that it's a botched robbery, but he had cash in his wallet, Expensive watch and necklace on. Expensive phone in his pocket. Actually in his hand because he was literally talking to his girlfriend seconds before this happened. Like, his girlfriend heard the voices of the attackers in the background before they, you know, before they hung up. He was just feet from his front door. Which apparently he didn't get good cell reception inside of his house. So he would go outside to talk on the phone to people and rarely... Uh, continue talking as he went inside because he would just lose signal anyways. So the 
Odd thing is, again, one minute from a hospital. Uh, took him an hour and a half to die, apparently. Uh, again, from midsection gunshot wounds to the back. And oddly enough, the FBI decided to go take his laptop from his house same day. And I'm not sure if that's standard policy or not, but I can tell you that they'd be confiscating a lot of laptops if they did that for every murder that happened in Washington, D.C. If you're not aware, there are lots of murders that happen in Washington, D.C. It's mainly black-on-black crime, but still, lots of murders. They don't go take their computers. So why take Seth Riches? And also, where is it at? Because the Washington, D.C. Police Department say that the FBI have the laptop, and the FBI say they don't have the laptop. So who's got it? And I'm sure someone took an image of it, at least, even if they've now destroyed it. But again, who knows whether or not they kept the image as well. And that's what, uh, according to Fox News... You know, the FBI has confirmed that Rich had been in contact with WikiLeaks just before his death. And an FBI forensic reporter, Rich's computer, generated within 96 hours after Rich's murder, showed he had made contact with WikiLeaks through Gavin McFadden, the now-deceased American investigative reporter and documentary filmmaker, and director of WikiLeaks, who was living in London at the time. It's also interesting to to note that uh, the United Kingdom ambassador, Craig Murray, actually had said that he turned over the DNC emails to WikiLeaks from a DNC insider that he wouldn't name who had legal access. Shortly after he said this, Seth Rich was killed and Craig Murray was not allowed back in the country. So, Seth Rich goes to Craig Murray, Craig Murray goes to Gavin McFadden, or maybe Seth went Seth went to Gavin, and Gavin sent Craig Murray to actually retrieve the documents from him. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Occam's Razor. I'm sure you have. It's a simple principle uh, from philosophy. I suppose there are two existing explanations for an occurrence. Um... The simpler one is usually the better one. Another way of saying it is that the more assumptions you have to make, the more unlikely an explanation is. So, on one hand, we have Trump hires surrogates with ties to Russia, and using those surrogates, he convinces Vladimir Putin to use state resources to hack the DNC and to release the emails to a third party in this case WikiLeaks, which they don't control, in a time frame of four months. Uh, Now, the alternative theory is that Podesta promised to make an example of leakers, and Seth Rich was murdered, and nothing was stolen, and then two weeks later, WikiLeaks publishes emails, probably from Seth Rich. Which is the easier pill to swallow that 
Trump's uh, Russian agent included with Putin somehow before the election even, you know, like, so, uh, you know, I'll just think about all the stuff that have to be true for Trump to be a Russian agent and to have encouraged Russia to hack the DNC, blah, blah, blah. Or you have one guy who again said, quote, I have an enormous interest in public service and working towards making the world a better place. This guy was like from the Midwest. Uh, he he worked for um, like a summer camp. And then he went, you know, and worked for this uh, other kind of political like analyst company. And then he worked for the DNC. Like he was not, you know, he was a, a promising Jewish young man uh, from Omaha, Nebraska, who just loved politics. And he was a tireless worker for uh, expanding voter rights. Now, wouldn't he be the DNC's poster boy for gun control? I mean, think about all the times, any time anyone's killed with a gun, especially. Doesn't the left and the DNC and the liberals, they all go nuts about how, oh, it's so terrible, guns, we got to take guns back, all this stuff. Okay, well, this is a DNC staffer who was murdered during Hillary Clinton's campaign for president, and they released, like, one little statement that said, like, oh, yeah, it sucks, you know, sorry about that, that's, you know, poor Seth. And that was it. Like, no, I mean, just kept it as quiet as possible. Why? Why would they keep that quiet? Of all the people that, you know, he was a a, a good hearted like American from Milwaukee, I'm sorry, Nebraska, who was working for them and getting ready to start a, a great career on their national campaign team, and he was murdered. And they're just like, oh yeah, Seth Rich sucks. And then like a day later, nothing. Why would they why would they have not trotted him out and paraded him around, you know, uh, just like they do anyone else that gets killed that they can. They didn't, you know, they didn't even try to use him as political fodder. And you might say, oh, they were just, you know, being respectable. Well, they're, they're not respectable, though. They, that's not, <laughs> they don't do that. They don't do respectable. Like, if, if it can benefit them, they use it. It's not, it wouldn't even be a question. Uh, the Daily Mail reported that, according to multiple witnesses, Seth had been heavily drinking at his favorite Washington, D.C. bar um, late into the early morning of July 10th, you know, before he was murdered. He was apparently struggling with issues uh, with his relationship with his girlfriend and was not his usual friendly self. I mean, so he wasn't in a great mood, but that's not like, I don't think he was picking fight with muggers is all I'm saying. And there's also a report here that said he was way drunker than normal and pretty wobbly, you know, and he was walking home. So why would you need to murder a fairly drunk guy at 4 a.m. Couldn't you just probably push him down and take his stuff? And I mean, I mean, if he did talk back to you even and was just being a real ass, you're really going to shoot him and leave him like breathing so that he can maybe identify you? I mean, wouldn't you actually make sure you finish the job and kill him if, if even if it was an accident? Like you've now shot someone that's probably going to die. You want to leave him around so he can maybe identify you? I mean, that's kind of weird. So... None of this adds up. None of this makes sense. And the WikiLeaks, you know, they they won't come right out and say that he was their leaker because, again, it's their policy to not ever name their sources. That's why people trust 
WikiLeaks to not, I mean, they trust them to, like, people can bring them information and trust that WikiLeaks isn't going to tell on them and say who they were. So they've never once revealed a source, and they're not going to here now. But they've said in a very roundabout way a couple times now that he was the leaker. Because, again, they won't actually say it, okay? Like, that's, they're just not going to. But, first of all, they offered $20,000 reward leading to the conviction of Seth Rich's killer. Why would WikiLeaks, who has never offered reward for anyone's murder, offer reward for Seth Rich's? Hmm. And then in an interview with Julian Assange, he actually said that uh, he didn't believe that Seth's death was simply a result of a botched robbery. And the guy was like, what are you trying to say? You know, are, is, are you saying he's the leaker? And then Assange went back to the, well, we don't reveal our sources, but it's definitely troubling that people like Seth Rich get killed. You know, and it just... He had just got, you know, like the sentence before that, he was saying that people come to them and they, you know, want to keep their anonymity so that bad things don't happen to them when they leak stuff. And he said, you know, then look at Seth Rich. But again, he won't actually say Seth Rich was our leaker because that would be revealing their sources. So instead, they put out a $20,000 reward and then bring him up when they're talking about uh, what could possibly happen to people who leak information. Okay. Possibly, theoretically. So, in the most obvious way, without actually saying it, they said that Seth Reach is their leaker. And now we have the actual FBI report and Rod Wheeler, who's a detective in Washington. Um, you know, that we have now the information that he really was the leaker and did send emails. And we have a missing laptop. Um, the the police that responded on the scene, um, not the not the very first one. But the two that came in after that first one were both wearing body cams also, by the way. Um, And we have submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to try to see those body cam footage. But um, the, the scary part is a lot of the information that you're trying to look up, a lot of times you can't access that stuff unless you're family. And the family has already been scared into not wanting to have anything to do with this whole uh, Seth Rich may have been the WikiLeaks hacker you know, uh, or leaker. They've definitely came out and said, like, we don't want to have anything to do with this conspiracy stuff. We just, you know, want the police to find our son's killers. Um, but that's not, I mean, that's not going to happen without kind of their help at this point because the police have definitely squashed the investigation. Rod Wheeler, the private investigator that was hired by a third party for the family, um, said that point blank, he was, you know, he's known, he like, he knows people at the Washington, you know, in the, in the Washington DC police. And he had one of them. That's a good friend of his. Tell him straight out, Rod, we're not allowed to help you with this investigation. It has been, you know, we have been stopped from touching this stuff by, by who? It's a good question. I don't know by who, but I, I can say yet again, the, the police chief that was in charge when this stuff happened, has now left and taken a much better, well-paying job. And the FBI, who supposedly had the laptop, which would be the only evidence that you know you could pretty much have, supposedly doesn't know where it's at or doesn't have it. So they've done a very good job of quashing any evidence or any people that could have helped us uncover this case. Now it's kind of up to the family to actually allow us to use HIPAA requests to maybe get the death certificate and see what actually time he died in the hospital, things like that. 
um, but they're not really willing to. So it's I'm not sure if this will ever actually come to light unless Donald Trump's new special investigator that he uh, just recently assigned, that Mueller character, maybe he will get to the bottom of the Seth Rich murder. And that would be fantastic. Well, that's not the only death that is uh, around the Clintons and their long-lasting political dynasty of terror. I'm going to go through some people that have died from Hillary Clinton. And when I say from Hillary Clinton, I don't mean like she physically she like pulled the trigger. Who knows? Maybe she did. But I'm just saying these are all suspicious deaths for people that there are at least somewhat of a motive for Hillary Clinton to have them killed. Okay? So, you know, and I'll go over, you know, a little bit of why or how, but the point is, I mean, these are all people that have been around the Clintons in close proximity and have mysteriously died. Like, and I know, yeah, people die, but by the time I get through this list, you're going to understand this is not just like, uh, this is, these can't all be coincidence. All right, so first we got James McDougal, uh, Clinton's convicted whitewater partner. He died of apparent heart attack while in solitary confinement. It's kind of hard to do. It's not very stressful sitting in a hole. Uh, he was the key witness in the Ken Starr's investigation of Whitewater. Yeah. We got two. Mary Mahoney, a former White House intern, murdered in 1997 at Starbucks coffee shop in Georgetown. Uh, the murder happened just after she was about to go public with her story of sexual harassment in the White House. It's also interesting that she was friends with Monica Lewinsky, and when she got murdered in the Starbucks coffee shop, she was working there, part-time. A robber came in and said, give me the money. She pulled the money out of the cash register, tried to hand it to him, and he shot her and left and didn't take the money. So, another botched robbery. Hmm? It's their favorite play. And we got Vince Foster. Most people would know this name. Former White House counselor and colleague of Hillary Clinton uh, died of a gunshot wound to the head, ruled a suicide. And actually, if I believe the report said two gunshots to the head, but ruled a suicide. And his body was uh, supposedly dumped in this park. Uh, but again, not if it was a suicide, even though they you know, didn't find evidence of a gun or blood spatter or anything like that. And Vince Foster... He was their chief, like, get-them-out-of-trouble guy until he said he didn't want to do that anymore and, re and, like, tried to retire from the Clintons. And that's, like, a week later he supposedly killed himself. And this would be someone that definitely knows all their dirty secrets. We got uh, four. Ron Brown, Secretary of Commerce and former DNC chairman, reported to have died by impact in a plane crash. Um, a pathologist close to the investigation reported that there was a hole in the top of Brown's skull resembling a gunshot wound. At the time of his death, Brown was being investigated and spoke publicly of his willingness to cut a deal with prosecutors. Uh, the rest of the people on the plane also died. A few days later, the air traffic controller committed suicide. That was apparently responsible for the plane crash. And we got five. 
Victor Reiser II. Reiser is a major player in the Clinton Fund, raising uh, the organization, um, and he died in a plane crash in July 1992. Uh, Paul Tolley, DNC political director, found dead in a hotel room in Little Rock in September 1992, uh, described by Clinton as a dear friend and trusted advisor. Uh, Ed Willey, Clinton fundraiser found dead November 1993, deep in the woods of Virginia, of a gunshot wound to the head. Ruled a suicide. He died on the same day that his wife, Kathleen Willie, claimed Bill Clinton groped her in the Oval Office and in the White House. He was involved in several Clinton fundraising events. By the way, Clinton fundraising events, to me, is just code for, like, uh, pedophile parties. But hey, you know, that's uh, not really proven. So, Jerry Parks, this is number eight, head of Clinton's Goober National Security Team in Little Rock, gunned down in his car at a deserted intersection outside of Little Rock. Um, Parks' son said his father was building a dossier on Clinton, and he allegedly threatened to reveal this information. After he died, the files were mysteriously removed from his house. Hmm. Number nine, James Bunch. Died from a gunshot suicide. Reported that he had a black book of people which contained names of the influential people who visited prostitutes in Texas and Arkansas. You know, where Bill Clinton's from. And was governor. Uh, James Wilson, number 10, was found dead in 1993 from an apparent hanging suicide. Uh, He was reported to have ties to Whitewater. Number 11, Kathy Ferguson, Ex-wife of Arkansas Trooper Danny Ferguson. She was found dead in 1994 in her living room with a gunshot to her head. It was ruled a suicide even though there were several packed suitcases as if she was going somewhere. Danny Ferguson was a co-defendant along with Bill Clinton in the Paula Jones lawsuit. And Kathy Ferguson was a possible corroborating witness for Paula Jones. So, she was playing for the wrong team. Number 12, Bill Shelton. Arkansas State Trooper and fiancé of Kathy Ferguson. Uh, Critical of the suicide ruling of his fiancé that we just talked about, he was found dead in June of 1994 of a gunshot wound, also ruled a suicide uh, at the grave of his fiancé. So, yeah. Number 13, Gandy Ball. Attorney for uh, Clinton's friend Dan Lassiter, He died by jumping out of a window of a tall building in 1994. His client was convicted of uh, being a drug distributor. So he failed to get his client off, and he died. Number 14, Florence Martin. Accountant and subcontractor for the CIA, and she was related to Barry Seal. Mina, Arkansas, an airport drug smuggling case. Uh, He died of three gunshot wounds. This is another scandal involving Bill Clinton. Uh, 15. Susan Coleman reportedly had an affair with Clinton when he was uh, Arkansas's attorney general. Died of a gunshot wound to the back of the head. Ruled a suicide. She was seven months pregnant at the time. With Bill Clinton's kid, more than likely. That's not really ever covered, huh? Number 16. Paula Grober. Clinton's speech interpreter for the deaf from 1978 until her death in 1992. She died in a one-car accident. 17. Danny Casolero, 
Uh, he was an investigative reporter investigating the Mena Airport and Arkansas Development Finance Authority. He slid his wrist, apparently, in the middle of his investigation. Paul Wilcher, attorney investigating corruption at the Mena Airport, again, with Casalero, and uh, the 1980 October surprise was found dead on a toilet in uh, June of 1993 in his Washington, D.C. apartment. He had delivered a report to Janet Reno three weeks before his death about the Clintons. Number 19, John Parnell Walker, Whitewater investigator for the Resolution Trust Corp. He jumped to his death from his Arlington, Virginia apartment balcony on August 15, 1993. He was investigating the Morgan Guarantee Scandal, another Clinton thing. Number 20, Barbara Wise, Commerce Department staffer, worked closely with Ron Brown and John Huang, uh, cause of death unknown, died November 29, 1996. Her bruised nude body was found locked in her office at the Department of Commerce. Um... It's not one that the DNC ever talks about. She was a uh, dark staffer of the Commerce Department. She was so powerful that she could influence other staffers to create classified files and whatnot. She had such a uh, knowledge of the dark secrets of the Clinton family that she could even save the files she loved um, from being deleted. The dark side of the Commerce Department is the path to many files some consider to be classified. Uh, she was so powerful that the only thing she ever feared or was afraid of was losing her files, which eventually, of course, she did. She told the chair everything she knew, and the chair stripped her naked and killed her violently after bruising her. Ironic, isn't it? She could have saved so many from deletion, but not herself. Um, so, you know, yet again, that's another person that knew all of their secrets that somehow managed to die in her office. Uh, beaten and bruised. Hmm. Charles Mezziner, Assistant Secretary of Commerce, who gave John Huang special clearance authority, died shortly thereafter in a small plane crash. 22. Dr. Stanley Hurd, Chairman of the National Chiropractic Healthcare Advisory Committee, died when his attorney, Steve Dixon, in a small plane crash. Uh, Dr. Hurd is additionally, uh, Dr. Hurd, in addition to serving on Clinton's advisory council, personally treated Clinton's mother stepfather, and brother. So he would know all of their um, medical history, for instance. Like the fact that Hillary Clinton probably has Parkinson's coming from her mother. Barry Seal, a drug-running TWA pilot out of Mena, Arkansas. Uh, death was no accident. Number 24, John Lawhorn Jr., mechanic, found... A check made out to Bill Clinton in the trunk of a car left at his repair shop. He was found dead after his car hit a utility pole. 25. Stanley Huggins. Investigated uh, Madison Guarantee. His death was reported a suicide and the report was never released. So we don't actually get to know how he died. Uh, number 26. Herschel Friday. Attorney and Clinton fundraiser. Uh, died in March of 1994 when his plane exploded. Uh, maybe maybe people that work for the Clintons should just never fly. And maybe always wear a bulletproof helmet. Kevin and Ivy's, uh, Kevin Ives and Don Henry, 
which I guess is technically be two of them, known as the Boys on the Track case. Um, reports say the boys may have stumbled upon the Mena, Arkansas airport drug operation. It's a controversial case, and the initial report of the death said due to falling asleep on the railroad tracks, because that's what boys do. They fall asleep on railroad tracks. Um, later, the reports claimed the two boys had been slain before being placed on the tracks. Many leaked the case, or many linked the case uh, died before their testimony and could not come before the grand jury. These were the people who were going to uh, testify on this case where the two kids died. We have Keith Connie. Um, he died when his motorcycle slammed into the back of a truck. We have Keith McCaskill. Died after being stabbed 113 times. Uh, we have Gregory Collins. Died from a gunshot wound in 1989. We have Jeff Rhodes, who was also shot and mutilated, found burned in a trash dump in 1989. We have James Milan, found decapitated. Um, however, his death was ruled natural causes. Uh, Jordan Kettleson, found shot to death in the front seat of her pickup, 1990. Richard Winters, a suspect in the uh, Ives-Henry deaths, he was killed in a set-up robbery in 1989. So those, those, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six people were all having to do with those two boys that got murdered. Um, then we have the following are a list of Clinton bodyguards who are dead. And I, I don't really have the reasons how they died, but we'll just go through them. Um, this is 35 through 46, by the way. Major William S. Barkley, Captain Scott J. Reynolds, Sergeant Brian... Hanley, Sergeant Tim Sable, Major General William Robertson, Colonel William Densberger, uh, Colonel Robert Kelly, spe uh, Specialist Gary Rhodes, Steve Willis, Robert Williams, Conway LeBlue, and Todd McKeon. Those were all Clinton bodyguards. Again, bodyguards are, well, they're easily replaceable. And they also know too much real easily. I mean, if you're a bodyguard and you stumbled upon some crap that they weren't doing, you better you better get the shovel and start digging with them because otherwise they're going to bury you in the same hole as the body you just came upon. All right, so now we're all the way up to 46. 46 is John Ash. Um, Ash, 61, died of injuries while lifting a barbell on a bench. That's right, barbell on a bench. Uh, the Westchester, New York's med med eh, medical examiner's office said that um, they changed it later to him being have his, having his throat crushed by the barbell. That apparently he did himself somehow. They originally thought it was a heart attack, but apparently they missed the giant crushed windpipe. And he was set to testify against Hillary Clinton, by the way. Um you know, the public knew about it. So he died. And that was this year. Um, also this year, Seth Rich, which we just talked about. That would be July 10th, 2016. And obviously, we already covered that. The whole DNC and WikiLeaks and emails. Then after Seth Rich, we have Victor Thorne, who was researching uh, the Clintons and had access to damaging emails about them and exposed their scandals. On August 1st, 2016, he was found shot in the head. 
His death was ruled a suicide, even though he had recently stated, if I'm ever found dead, it was murder, I would never kill myself. Look at Hillary Clinton. And then he died by getting shot in the head. And then we have Sean Lucas. Sean Lucas, July 3rd. Um, no, actually, I apologize. He, he was murdered on August 2nd, but on July 3rd, he helped the DNC uh, by serving them a lawsuit claiming that DNC chairwoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz rigged the primary for Hillary Clinton. This was part of the whole Seth Rich scandal. So he was the guy that actually tried to go serve the DNC and say, hey, you cheated Bernie out of the election because of these uh, emails that we know that you did. Uh, less than one month after he served that lawsuit, Lucas's girlfriend found him dead in his bathroom on August 2nd. So, dead in his bathroom. <sighs> and then finally, last one I got for you, number 51, Monica Peterson. Uh, she was in Haiti investigating the child sex trafficking and was critical of the Clinton Foundation. Her death on November 13th was ruled a suicide, though her own mother doesn't buy the story. Um, still haven't heard anything else about her. Uh, she was investigating the Clintons in Haiti, though, with a sex scandal. So, you know, that's it. And that's all the people that, you know, at least are relatively known that the Clintons have either murdered or have magically died of plane crashes and gunshot uh, wounds to the head. It's their preferred method. So, and good news real quick, since this has been such a downer of a podcast, David Clark, the uh, Milwaukee sheriff guy, got appointed to Homeland Security. And I forget his exact title, it was assistant, blah, 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 but the point is, his job is going to be to interface with the local agencies. He's like, think of him as like the Homeland Security liaison guy, the one that gets to talk to all the other agencies, um, all the local agencies, all the state agencies, all that stuff. So like, he's the go-between now, between um, Homeland Security and people like he used to be, like sheriffs and stuff, so... And with that, I think I'm done for the day, guys. Uh, Y'all have a good one. We'll see you next time. So